You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Did you go to the Melbourne International Flowering Garden Show or MIFGIS this year? If you did, I'm sure you saw the show garden full of native plants with white panels that had circles painted onto them as a backdrop in the Achievables section. Daniel Althaus is a landscape designer who won silver medal in the Achievables section and People's Choice Award in the Achievables section for his garden Circles of Life. What were Daniel's sources of inspiration for this garden and what were his goals? What are the current trends within Australian landscaping culture in 2023 leading into 2024? And how can you design a show garden that genuinely leads to work from paying clients? Stick around to the end of the episode to find out. So welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, yeah, I feel like we've tried to, to jump on and, and join the dots, but it's been a little while, so I, I'm, I'm stoked to be on. Mate, you've been too busy since, you're, <laughs> since you designed this year at Mifkus. Yeah, look, it's been, um, it's been a good start, that's for sure. I think, um, yeah, it, um, I certainly wasn't expecting Mifkus to have the impact that it did. Uh, I sort of went in there with a lot of people telling me, don't expect any work from it. Um, and I, and I genuinely didn't, to be honest. Um, and yes, I've just built the garden and, and it's just kind of skyrocketed, skyrocketed, um, which is, it's been fun. It's been a roller coaster, that's for sure. Mm, <laughs> um, no but no, it's, um, yeah, it's been busy. So tell us a little bit about how you got to Mifkus this year. Like what, um, like what was your background? Where do you come from? Uh, what did you hope to get out of it, and why did you sign up? Yeah, cool. So I guess um, I, I was in the um, achievable section, which is um, yeah, it's the, the student um, side of things. So um, I was studying the um, Cert Four in landscape design. Um, so that enabled me to to kind of put my hat in the ring and and, and kind of go from there. But to be honest, Nifkus has been kind of on my radar since I put a shovel in the ground, to be honest, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't been in the industry for, for a super long time, but, um, yeah, I, I started with my, my mother-in-law. She had a, um, or still has a landscaping and maintenance, um, business. And, um, yeah, I remember talking to her about Mifkis and, and, um, I always found it really fascinating just because, I mean, I've, come from sort of like an art background and I've always been a bit of a creative and um yeah I had art galleries and and things like that and to me that was that's what Mythkis is is wow. it's like a an art gallery for yeah. designers do you know what I mean and uh so I was always really intrigued by the concept um because it's you're painting with plants and you're trying to think outside the box and um and it's such a, yeah, you're jamming so much stuff into such a small, small space, basically. Um, and you, you're fighting to get all these mature plants and uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's bedlam from the moment that you get, uh, the tick of approval and saying, yeah, you're in. It's, um, it's full on. So, um, I think it was a great experience for me to, to do Mifkis the first time under the, banner of Melbourne Polytechnic and um, 
with, with the right people behind me. Um, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, because they um, they walk you through the process. They've the guys at Melbourne Polytechnic. They've done it a thousand times before, and and yeah, they can kind of guide you in such a way um, with you still having that creative control. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was good to have that. Um, like you submit the design to them first um, before <laughs> yeah. they, yeah, before they even send. You get like an editor. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a. It, I think there was there's quite a number of students that put their hat in the ring just to the staff. Do you know what I mean? So you got to. That's that's the first hurdle is you got to get selected by the people mm. from Melbourne Polytechnic and, and they make a judgment call whether or not essentially you're good enough to to put it to to Mifkis. And um, yeah, I guess I, I was super lucky enough to to be chosen, and um, that's when the real fun starts. Do you know what I mean? Like it's um, yeah, you can have this concept of you can dream up whatever you want to dream up, but then you've got to convert it into into yeah, a garden, which is um, to a garden. We've got to put the <laughs> yeah, put the put the plants in the soil and make sure that they are alive and make yeah. sure that they function for the whole week because yeah, you don't want um, them to be the wrong plant or you know lack lack something that they need. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and it's also tricky. I mean, from a horticultural perspective, it's tricky because you don't necessarily know where your garden's going to be positioned. And so you don't know if you got shade or sunlight. Yeah, look, it's it's tricky. Well, you design the garden to start with, and then they give you the position. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, this this uh, time around, um, so I'm doing another one in 2024. Um, probably shouldn't, yeah, jump too far into that, but um, yeah, that's that's been a bit of an issue because um, a lot of my plants that I've chosen for next year is. They're native ferns, moss, um, yeah, some pretty unique plants, and I'm in a pretty sunny spot. So, oh, okay. so um, yeah, just got to be careful with um, with how you place those plants, but um, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Um, but yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a wild ride doing Mythicus and. Um, yeah, like I said, I was very lucky to be a part of Melbourne Polytechnic, and and yeah, it, it was it gave me the the footing I needed um, to go to the next step, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So for me, as someone who visited the gardens, I really enjoyed yours because it's I just thought it was such a fantastic example of a very contemporary Australian native garden. Whereas yep. I think in the past, maybe some people might have the perception that like bush gardens are just like a scrappy look or low maintenance yeah. or whatever. You really brought it into the 21st century. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, um, I, that was definitely a goal um, going into Mifkis is, yeah, designing a garden that um, looked good and contemporary, um, but ticks the box for things like being a wildlife garden. That was what that was. It was uh, all the plants there were to bring in bees, birds, frogs. Um, they had to fit a pretty stringent criteria. And it, it, I think that's probably why I'm busy now is because I'm essentially made uh, an achievable garden 
um, that a lot of people, yeah, strive for. They want the wildlife in their garden. They want it to still look nice. They don't want it to be um, kind of scrappy, which a lot of people associate native gardens with. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's eco-friendly. Do you know what I mean? Like I always say to people when we talk about natives, um, if your garden is, is failing and you're putting a, I don't know, um, New Zealand rockily in, in the middle of the, the sun and it's, it's not working. Well, it's a, yeah, it's an exotic. It's, it's, it's probably not meant to be there. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas I think there's, there's always going to be a native for um, your area. The, do you know what I mean? You can go to your council and you can get a list of 50 plants that are um, indigenous to your space and they will thrive. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and then furthermore with that is selecting plants that will not only thrive, but you can shape them and, and kind of piece them together with other natives. So you're mixing up the, the design principles of, of sort of using texture, color, shape, form. And yeah, really just using what we have here um, as such a good platform to have a really creative garden. Mm. There are so many threads that I want to follow there. Uh, I, I feel like, first of all, we really just have to have you describe the garden for our listeners. Can you like describe, uh, uh, not even into the plant palette, we'll get into that in a second, but just in terms of like the, the layout. Yeah, for sure. And how you use that small space? Like how small was the space? <laughs> Uh, it was uh, five meters by four meters, so um, not big, not big at all, not big at all. Yeah. So, look, um, with the achievable gardens, you kind of get um, three walls, and um, people try and jazz them up as much as you can, but you, you've got three walls basically, mm. and an and a, and a face. And um, it was interesting because I'd essentially designed the whole garden. Um, before I'd, I'd done the walls. And, um, I mean, you, you've seen the garden. The, the walls were, in some people's opinion, the, the standout. Um, so I painted the walls white and I put, um, I made a stencil. Uh, it was a stencil of four circles. And I sat there on these massive 2.2 meter, uh, high walls. And I sat there with a spray can for about a day and a half, two days, um, spray painting uh, small circles all over the walls. Um, and, yeah, so the, the garden was called the Circles of Life. So there wasn't a straight edge to be seen. Like even the, the um, front face of the walls had been mitered. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there wasn't... Uh, yeah, there wasn't a straight line in the garden, which is something that I love to do in clients' gardens. Um, yeah, it's it's a yeah something that I, I love to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, makes things difficult, but uh, it, it's a beautiful look. Um, but yeah, so that was the the, the backdrop, I guess. Um, and then I had a um, a snaking path uh, from the center right to the back um, of Tuscan topping. Um, where it kind of led to an angophora where, um, I had a, a kind of rustic looking seat, um, yeah, underneath the, the, the big angophora there. And, um, I think the biggest and the trickiest 
element of the garden was um, the pond. Um, and basically, I dreamed up this three-tiered pond um, that had a, a bird bath sort of coming out of the, the middle of it and a big uh, wagon wheel steel frame uh, welded onto that. And um, I dreamed this up and, and kind of drew, yeah, actually it was, I got told that, yeah, Mifkus was on the table and there was an option for me to, to, to put my hat in the ring. And I remember driving from, from Melbourne Polytechnic in, in Fairfield to, to Ballarat and I just, on that car ride, I just came up with the design and uh, I stepped in the door and my partner tried to talk to me about what had happened that night and I just kind of said, just give me <laughs> 10 minutes. I just need I just need to draw this out. And I, I sketched the, yeah, the concept design of, of that, that garden and um, that's pretty much what came to life, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was uh, I was lucky that my brain just kind of, switched into gear and that just popped into my head and um and yeah and I and I guess it all just sort of I won't say it fell into place because it's a lot of hard work trying to um get the plants and and build everything and and bend the steel and um yeah I was lucky enough that I paired up with um entanglements metal artwork who fabricated the the whole um the pond the three-tier pond um, like we needed a flatbed to kind of um, cart it everywhere, and needed four guys to to move it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it was, uh, it was pretty full on. But um, yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So you said that the wall was the standout for a lot of people. Yeah. For me, I think that the, the plants were definitely the standout. But what the wall? It was like a statement of um, I don't know. I guess it just screamed out modern like that is so in fashion for, for the moment my wife's a wedding graphic designer she does um, awesome. wedding invitations yeah and so she's been remarking in the last few years how there are less straight lines and there are a lot more curves yeah like the arch shape is really in fashion it's yeah. just like seems to be everywhere yeah yeah it's um look to be honest i um i've really been loving the um i guess it's kind of like a oh, I'll say seventies, but it wasn't. It, it's like that, yeah, that kind of vibe. And I really wanted to kind of push the boundaries a little bit with um, what was what was kind of normally out there, mm. and um, yeah, pushing out like it's essentially seventies themed wallpaper. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I was going right. on to. See, um, I didn't get 70s from that at all. I got 2023. Yeah. That's oh, what really? I got from that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do say that the, the, yeah. uh, the comes around and goes around. Right? The, the, I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. It might be a case of that. Maybe, maybe. But, um, yeah, look, it, it definitely had a, a modern-esque vibe, almost like that, yeah, elements of, yeah, the Scandinavian, I guess. I, guess. I, don't, mm. I don't know, yeah. So it was, it was, I was bridging that gap. But, um, but yeah, I, I just definitely wanted to kind of push the boundaries and, and I don't know, see how many circles I could fit into one garden. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and I think, um, look, having the, the planter boxes on the side there as well, that was another big um, 
uh, thing that I've had a lot of kind of inquiries about. Um, yeah, for those that haven't seen it, it's it's sort of a recycled timber um, circle basically with um, that were mounted on the walls and had plants coming out of them. And um, yeah, if I had a bit more time, I think I'd probably try and mass produce them or something. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're they're pretty tricky to build. So yeah, a lot of fun. And am I? Were there mirrors in the garden, or am I imagining? There was, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that's another way to make use of space, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it wasn't a massive mirror, but it. Um, yeah, so I basically had put um, a. Like you know, in is it play school? How they had to have the like the round yeah. window and the square window. Yeah, so and the arch window, the arch window. Yeah, so <laughs> I got essentially the round window from play school, and I'd placed it dead center in between the big um, wagon, the steel wagon wheel, just above where the um, uh, the bird bath was. So if you stood back from the garden, everything would just be like in the center, lots of circles, mm. and it was just everything was somewhat in proportion but not, if if that makes sense. Mm. Um, it had purpose, I think. Mm. Um, so, But, yeah, that whenever you add um, a, a mirror into a garden, that's obviously the intent is to try and open up the space. And I think in a five-by-four garden, you need to do something to kind of break the walls a little bit um, because it's such a small space. Um, yeah, I remember stepping up into the garden uh, after it was completed and uh, looking down and he's like, this is this is tiny. <laughs> like It's just mm. such a small little space, but it, it, it ended up feeling fairly spacious when you're up there, but it like, did. it's still, yeah, yeah. And also the use of, uh, it was, I know that it was only one garden room as well, but I feel like in some ways like that path really separated the space and made it feel bigger as well. I mean, yeah. I'm just a maintenance guy. I'm not a designer, but that's the effect I think it had. Yeah. Thanks, man. Like it's, uh, yeah, I think um, that was part of the intent is to try and break up segments of the garden so it felt bigger and it had more, more to look at, more to get lost in. And I think that's such a big thing that I love to do even with gardens that I'm designing for clients is I want the client to kind of get lost in their own garden. Like I want them mm. to continually find things that they hadn't seen before. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, things like, yeah, putting a, a pond in there and, or, and then finding frogs or mm. do you know what I mean? Like that, those tiny little details um, of a garden that is just um, ever changing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's essentially an ecosystem. That's what we're building. Mm. Um, so I, I guess I tried to replicate nature in a, in a way and, and, and to, yeah, create a garden that people get got lost in. So, yeah. And I think that's great. And one of the reasons why it's great, even beyond um, altruistic, um, you know, it's good for the biodiversity crisis. Yes, yeah. it's good for amenity. You know, we love to see frogs and stuff like that. Yeah. Even another step beyond that, from a financial perspective and mm. from a horticultural perspective of keeping our plants alive with minimal chemicals is yeah. that a biodiverse garden actually attracts predatory and parasitoid insects and other birds and stuff like that that oh, will actually eat our pests. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's such a big thing that, yeah, a lot of people um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of gardens out, um, sort of out Ballarat, Dalesford, blah, blah, blah. And they've got lots of these either little pests. And, and then the first kind of thing that they say is like, oh, we've got to eradicate X yeah. pest. And you're like, <laughs> how about we just build a garden that supports the ecosystem that can naturally eradicate that, like brings in certain birds that gets rid of whatever it, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's ways around yeah. um, just eradicating things. Yeah. My favorite method of integrated pest management is doing nothing. Yeah. When you have the right supporting, <laughs> when you have the right garden to be able to do that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's, it's all about the base work. It's like doing yeah. soil prep for your gardens. Do you totally. Know what I mean? Like it's the same thing, man. If, yeah. if you, you do the research, if you understand the base concepts of, of an ecosystem, then you can, yeah, you can have a garden that you set and forget almost, and you don't have to worry about pests and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's um, it, it, yeah, and and look, I'm enjoying having these conversations with clients because now all my clients are sort of like, yeah, they've gone down that route of yeah, I actually don't want to <laughs> spray my uh, spray my garden or, or whatever else. Do you know what I mean? Um. Which is good. Which is good. It's 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 all about education as well. Like I think that's important. Okay, so I you've just brought up um, one of the trends I want to talk to you about. But we're going to get to trends in a second. We have to talk about the plant palette. Yeah, like yeah. It, like it's an Australian native plant palette, obviously. It but is. is it like locally endemic to the area, or is it just are you celebrating natives from everywhere around the country? Or what was your what like what were you what was your mind state there? Yeah, look, I think initially it was. Um, I tried really hard to kind of um, build a plant palette that was indigenous to Victoria mm-hmm. or, or, yeah, around that region. Um, but I think the more that I kind of um, pushed into nur- nurseries and things like that, it's actually a lot harder um, to do that than you think. Um, so I was kind of... Not force, but I thought, okay, let's kind of push out that next ring and, um, and kind of get some, um, interesting plants like the Adenanthus, uh, the coral carpet, things like that, that obviously they're from, uh, brain, from Perth, uh, from Mm -hmm. WA, um, and they're on different soils and all that kind of stuff. So admittedly, it wasn't as uniform as, what I'd first planned. Um, but I think tying together the textures, um, the shapes, the colors, the forms, they, um, yeah, that became the precedent. I think, um, sorry, that, that became, yeah, what I was going for rather than, um, yeah piecing together it just from Victoria, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, and that's how I'm approaching my garden too at the moment. I'm designing it. Well, I'm not really even designing. I'm just planting my favorite plants yeah. <laughs> in this garden bed. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I've got kangaroo paws and lily pillies mm. and um, scavolas and just all sorts of stuff yep. that prob- yep. may, may not have necessarily lived together. Uh, but it's just it's still in a, a celebration of Australian plants. And 100%. I just think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and, look, to be honest, a lot of them will still bring wildlife that is indigenous to your area, do you know what I mean? Which is, you're winning. Absolutely. You can't lose, do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, sure, they might be from New South Wales or wherever else, um, but 
you're still getting wildlife in your door. And I think that's that's got to be the goal. Um, that's what I reckon. So there are like um, specific, like some specific moth up in the Daintree that has this special relationship with some specific um, orchid or something like that, yeah, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and and that exists. There are really specialist pollinators and specialist plants. Absolutely. But there is like generalist pollination, which is like if you've ever planted a lissom, like our native pollinators just love it. Like absolutely. There, I think the idea that. Um, the, the plants have to be specific to your exact native area. It's great, but it's not necessarily the be all and end all. I don't think. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. I think start with step one, bringing some. Yeah, bringing anything in. <laughs> like it's. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's there is a lot of people out there that kind of get bogged down in that kind of. Um, we must use mm. um, plants that are indigenous to this area or. Um, and I think you've kind of got to be a bit fluid with all that. Um, mm. yeah, I, I think if your garden looks good and you're, you're happy with it and, and it's bringing in uh, the birds and the bees and, and the lizards and the frogs, you're winning. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, um, it, and it's exciting to see. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I think for people that don't know a lot about gardening, um, I think it's exciting for me to see them get excited about their garden. Um, totally. And, and, and that's that's such a big thing. Someone's going to come and shoot them down because they're not using natives. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. So um, I think there's a balance. There's definitely a balance. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I'll touch on it again. It's, it's actually, um, I, I did a, a job recently in Trenton and uh, the goal for that was to try and use a lot of um, indigenous plants um, because it's kind of in the same shire-esque as, as sort of Ballarat within that region um, and a few other shires around. But it was actually really tricky to find plants that were indigenous to that area. And I think it's um, it kind of it's difficult for, for nurseries um because the demand isn't there and i think that's 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 going to be my next kind of like little <laughs> crusade i don't know whether just oh, to try and yeah. uh, talk to nurseries and just say hey listen there's this plant that pretty much grows next door to where the nursery is and it's a beautiful plant and we we need to stock it do you know what i mean yeah uh give it give people an option to to have these indigenous plants um i think it's important Absolutely. Have you ever heard of the uh, um, uh, Raising Rarity program with uh, no. Royal Botanic Gardens of Victoria? So, no. yeah, they're actually doing stuff like that. Like they'll awesome. do these um, uh, expeditions where they go out and find, they say, rare and pretty plants is really okay. what they're chasing. Yeah. And then they'll breed them so that they can live in the landscape. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. That's, yeah. uh, that's good. Very I know good. that there's like a bunch of just kind of um, mom and pop kind of little nurseries where they just kind of enjoy um, propagating their own stuff. And, and mm. yeah, they've got little side stalls on, on the side of the road. And, and yeah, that, that's kind of where I found um, some of the rarer plants. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy that uh, that's where you got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, it's I have to tap into that. Uh, yeah <laughs> raising yeah, it's, rarity it's raising rarity yeah. i have to look it up 
So tell us a little bit more about the plants. I feel like we've really just skimmed over them. You said some of the rarer plants. Can you tell us about those for the real diehard plant nerds? Uh, get us excited. What what sort of plants are you talking about when you say like the really rare ones? Oh, look, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that I'm a, a, a botanist or anything like that. But um, yeah, oh geez, you're, you're quizzing me here. Um, <laughs> oh, what did I put in the last one? I can't actually remember to be honest. Um, but it was to be honest, it was a a garden that I'd used. Um, the, the the client wanted to mix. Um, Japanese and Australian native plants. Ooh. So um, I kind of used, um, yeah, just a mixture of, um, oh man, I think we chucked in a few conifers and stuff as well. Like it was just a whole bunch of random um, uh, sort of Japanese-esque plants, but then like some really beautiful, dainty flowering kind of natives as well. Um, I'm just trying to think of, an example that I can kind of bring up. Um, but I'm, I'm finding lately um, that there's this quite a unique trend that I've kind of fallen into almost, um, even like after the show, I guess, um, was, um, yeah, Japanese-infused native gardens, which um, I've always been passionate about um japanese gardens mm. and and just the sim- slim simplicity of them and and how calm they can be with little elements um and i kind of really when i was when i was studying the cert for and landscape design kind of tapping into um their design principles and like kind of like the power of threes if they ever put rocks it's in threes and oh. there's like um, so there's, there's really quite powerful elements in Japanese gardens that, um, probably get carried through in, in other, um, bigger designs, um, that we probably don't really know of. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's super important. And it's something that I've really kind of held true to, um, throughout my native gardens. Um, but it's, a, it's really exciting, really exciting to try and, meld the two styles of um yeah australian native and and japanese it's um it's a lot of fun to be honest mm-hmm. so um yeah it's good i think that that's awesome yeah because i guess japanese like they have a, like a real focus on like I, i'm not a designer again but yeah. my impression <laughs> of them is like they have a deep understanding of plants and their nature and their habit and they actually work with the plants to really get the best out of them uh, whether that's topiary or whether that's um, you know just trying to prune them for their natural shape, and I feel like you know that's a really cool way to celebrate Australian plants. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, sculpting um, Australian native plants, um, like natives love a good prune, mm. and I think if you harness that, um, you can you can create some pretty amazing shapes. And um, all you got to do is, I mean, look at. Fiona Brockoff and, and what she's been doing for, for years, do you know what I mean? Like shaping um alocasurinas, do you know what I mean? Like and doing things like that. Like it's it's and yeah, Wistringia balls and Corias and, and and all those kind of things, do you know what I mean? Like just creating those really strong uh forms in a garden. Um it's it's quite a unique um a thing to do to 
it, what is a coastal garden, do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, or a coastal plant, I should say. Um, you certainly don't see that in the wild. But, yeah, and I think I think that kind of ties back into um, the garden I did for Mythos this year is, yeah, using corio balls and the stringers and, and shaping them um, to, to give it that kind of modern element to it. Um, because I think if you didn't do that, um, it would look a bit scrappy, um, especially when you've got lots of um, yeah grasses and other bits and pieces. Um, yeah, it, they can look scrappy if if you don't keep them well. But um, yeah, I, f- I feel like it's a nice nice balance when you kind of mm. clip the stringers and 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 corias and things like that. Um, yeah, just cleans it up. It's good. Okay, so that leads me into a question that I really want to talk to you about which is trends. So, yes, we've seen some hedges. Generally, they're in domes or balls and not in squares. So we're seeing – this is just what I'm seeing anyway, especially at Mifkus, is that there are a lot of circles, a lot of waves, very few straight lines and very few hard uh, hard angles. Um, That's just my impression. Um, Other things I've seen, which we've talked about, is a bigger focus on ecology and eco-gardens. Yes. Um, Environmental stuff like, uh, you know, not using herbicides. What are some other trends that you've noticed in the horticulture slash landscaping world in the last few years? And what do you think is just on the horizon, if anything, that's different to that? Um, Trends are always a tricky one because I feel like, like any industry, you kind of it's a bit of a yeah chasing the leader sometimes uh-huh. uh, some people yeah I think people have been kind of trying to replicate people like um, Fiona Brockoff and and other big names like that and they kind of tuck in behind them um, but yeah so so I think Trends are, yeah, they're tricky. They're tricky. But I, I agree with you. I think we're steering away from the um, the more French, I, I'll call it French, orientated designs with hedges and squares and, and things like that. Um, and, and, yeah, we are moving into, yeah, some, some sexy curves, which is always, <laughs> um, that's definitely up my alley. But, um, yeah, I think um, I think perennials are, are a big jump at the moment um i think a lot of people are are pushing for that um because you can still have that um yeah like a wildlife garden when it comes to that i think you can use a lot of natives when it comes to like that perennial grasses look um ashley james is a big one for that like um yeah there's a lot of key players that are kind of they're kind of in their own lane and there's a few other people that kind of tagging them behind them and 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 yeah i think there's there's definitely some people to watch that are kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit um i think yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how the industry um forms in the next couple of years um because i think there's probably going to be some young guys coming through young guys and girls um that are super passionate and super creative. And um, like I know myself, every time that I design a client garden, uh, my goal is is to create something that no one else has really, I won't say no one else has really done before, but that's, that's 
out of the box. Do you know what I mean? And I think I'm not the only one doing that kind of stuff. I think there's lots of young designers out there that are really hungry to push the boundaries when it comes to trends. Um, and I think I'm, I'm personally excited to see, um, a lot of that stuff come through in the next couple of years. Like I'm, like I'm always on Instagram just checking out what, what people are doing. And it's, 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 it's exciting to me because I'm, I feel like I'm really passionate about the industry and where it's headed. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's only going to go up from here. I think, um, yeah, there's lots of, lots of cool stuff that people are doing. Mm. I feel like there are two ways to approach like trends in that one way is it's like, oh, it's like derivative art in that like, oh, you're not really having inspiration for yourself. You're copying other people. Yeah. But then there's also an element of trends, which is like, it's just in the zeitgeist. Like it's, it's just in the culture itself that we're sure. into insects and in biology and or yeah. rather ecology and yeah. like the relationships that insects have with plants and birds have with plants and how they all have. Um, you know, different plant palettes can encourage those things. Sure. And I feel like maybe that question is probably better if I had a, um, replaced trend with zeitgeist. Yeah. Look, it's, um, you're right. Look, when it comes to trends, it, it's, it's difficult, man. I like, I look at, at this topic as, it's just inspiration. Yeah. Um, it's just inspiration. Like, um, I think, um, who was it? Kate Seddon put up a thing, uh, a little while ago where she, it was like a little courtyard and she, instead of having just normal cobblestone and a few plants, she completely undulated the ground and put plants in like a, um, yeah, undulated, tiled ground completely like i'd not seen anything like that before and i look at that and go that's that's what this industry needs someone that can push the boundaries um and and do that kind of stuff that that i mean i probably wouldn't have thought of doing something like that but i might take that and i might put that on a bigger scale and be like right how can we put a mound of of bluestone or, or something along those lines and put Paving, uh, put plants in between it or do you know what I mean like it's I think that's why I like looking at um, I guess we'll call it trends um, and seeing how they evolve because you can go you can see a butterfly and then use that inspiration to create something completely removed from that but the inspiration is still the butterfly if that makes sense yeah um, so um, yeah look uh, yeah, it's yeah. I totally agree. It's it's it's, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one to not be following the leader, mm-hmm. and but still keeping an eye on things. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. And also, anyone who is pushing the boundary isn't standing on their own. They're standing on the shoulders of giants. Like if you think about like permaculture today, it took Bill Mollison and David Holmgren to actually push the envelope in the first place before we can get here. And they didn't do that by themselves. They would have been inspired by other people. And sure, there was a lot of experience that went into it, but I don't know who their inspiration was. But I feel quite certain that they didn't just come up with it all by themselves. They would have taken inspiration from here and there and there. And that's how culture works. Like that's how the Greeks turned into the Romans and how they turned into us. This culture that we live in. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that's why I'm always cautious to, to call them trends. And it's, it's yeah, you, you kind of, it's an evolution of, of a creative art form, to be honest, um, because I, I really see design and landscaping and, and all those things, such a creative um, art form. Um, and I, I think tying it back to Mifkus, and I think that's why I love, the concept of Mifkus so much is is because you can showcase what uh, you might not be able to do in someone's someone's garden. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so earlier on in the episode, you said that people had told you that this garden at Mifkus wouldn't lead to work, but then you also said that this wasn't the case in your experience. Were those people wrong, or was your garden different, or what happened there? I think. Um, from the get-go, I think I wanted to create something that was genuinely achievable and oh. something that attracted mm. the, not the masses, that's the wrong word, attracted the people that I wanted to work with. And I think that was something that needed a bit of thought and um, I think I'm glad I, I laid the foundations of the business before I did what I did with Mifkus um, because it meant that I could um, place a directional arrow on the garden and where I wanted to face it. Um, so, and I, and I think when I was when I was speaking to because you're there for what is it five days once the, the garden's built and you are talking to thousands of people and I think um, being passionate and enthusiastic and um, genuinely inquisitive about um, the general public's gardens uh, and having that conversation, um, I think that's probably what instigated the work, um, to be honest. I think when you're having these real conversations with potential clients and the general public, they they sense that you care and they they trust you and I think that's a big thing with with gardens because the the clients are, are going to be parting with quite a substantial sum of money and they have to trust you so having those foundation conversations about gardening and 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 design and and uh, yeah having a general interest a genuine sorry interest on who these people are and their gardens um, it matters it matters so I think it's a it's a um, it's a number of things, I think. Um, it was, yeah, thinking about the, the concept design of the garden to begin with. Um, and yeah, creating something that I wanted to potentially create, um, further down the track. Um, and, and yeah, being, being real and, and having those conversations with people at the show, it, it makes a difference. Okay. So it sounds like you have a specific kind of a person in mind who you're, I don't want to use the word selling because people think it's a dirty word, but it's not a dirty <laughs> yeah, word. It's, it's not. not. Can you explain who your audience avatar is? Yeah, look, um, that's an interesting one. And I think it's, it's ever evolving. I think as the time goes by, I think um, when, when I, first did the show uh, in March this year, that demographic was um, clients with sort of 
a bit more space. Um, I think I wanted to align myself with people that um, really were passionate about bringing wildlife to their front door mm. um, and and I guess clients that knew a bit about native plants and, and were um, keen on kind of collaborating, I think, because although I do, I, I really enjoy when a client says to me, go forth and prosper and create a beautiful garden, but I also enjoy working closely with the client um, and creating something that they didn't know they wanted. Um, and, and that's something that's really, as, as I've gone on, um, I, I've realized that that's something that is really quite special is going in and having a brief with a client, going and doing the concept design and seeing their face just absolutely light up because you've extracted the information that you needed to create their dream garden and they didn't even know they wanted what you've created but now it's in front of them and they're like this is absolutely insane and it's i think it's it's why i think i love my job so much <laughs> and it's it's probably why you and i are sitting here uh, talking about it is um is it's such a passion to to see um people get so much enjoyment out of things that i can create for people um it's 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 pretty fun <laughs> yeah that actually really reminds me of what my wife experienced being in the b2b graphic design space working yeah. with companies yeah and cool. so she would do like flyers and stuff with them and they'd say oh create me a flyer with this copy and then she'd be like all right so what like what what do you what are you thinking like um and they go oh whatever you think is fine so, yeah and the, the beginner's mistake yeah, <laughs> the beginner's mistake is to just do whatever you want yeah, and they nah. say inevitably well that's not what i had in mind yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. it's all about asking those probing questions and knowing having the experience behind you after you've done a few and you're like nah well, how do you want to use this space or yeah. do you have any favorite plants or is that do you know what i mean like the real kind of not obscure questions but questions you need to ask to get um, a design, a proper design brief out of them. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's extremely important to have those, um, yeah, to have those questions being asked. No doubt. Okay, yeah. so obviously these questions are going to depend on each individual garden, right, and each individual client. Like they're not all going to be the same. But there must be some that you're asking all the time, like how are you going to use this space and what are your favorite plants? Yeah. What are some of those other questions that you find are really helpful? Look, I mean, um, I think I've done a lot of tweaking of, of not just, yeah, well, those questions, but also the processes and all those kind of things since I started. But I think um, to start with, I always send through like a questionnaire, but get those kind of generic questions um, out of the way first, um, which, which means that I can go to site armed with a lot more knowledge than just going in and going in dry. Yeah, going in with nothing. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's a big help. But, yeah, look, it, it completely depends on the client. And it, it, 
I have to say it changes literally every time. Um, and I think it, it's really important that you're inquisitive um, about every little thing. Do you know what I mean? Like um, it, it makes such a big difference um, because if you don't ask a lot of questions, then you might find out that Rosemary doesn't like birch trees or whatever it is, do you know what I mean? And, and then you put a row of birch trees in and then just like, this is horrible. Like, why did you do this? As I said, I'm not a designer, but I think that those two questions that you did ask, so the specific ones of uh, how are you going to use the space and what plants do you like, are just absolutely uh, just brilliant, like brilliant, like wow, we're off to the we're off to a good start with those yeah. two questions. Maybe what about like, do you have any photos of gardens that you like? Yeah, that's that's definitely one with the uh, yeah, Pinterest boards and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's it's funny. There's there's a few questions that a lot of people kind of look at you weird, where you go, all right, uh, where are your bins and yeah, and how do you want to drag right. them out? Uh-huh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like th- things like that, because that's got to be practical. Practical. The, the reason why you get a designer in is because sure you want to have a nice looking garden, but every little element has to be thought of. And one of those elements and a main element that happens on every Wednesday every night <laughs> is 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 you're pulling your bins out. How does that look? Do you want them hidden? Do you want them down the side? Do you know what I mean? Like. And, and I know that's just a, a small element, but it's it's important, and it's something that I ask every time. Do you know what I mean? Without fail, mm-hmm. I always ask, "Where's your bins?" Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so just just questions like that matter. Um, or do you have any pets, kids, whatever it is, um, allergies, bang, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Like just quizzing um, the people about how they do life pretty much um yeah do you enjoy having a beer by the fire or do you not like fire do you know like whatever it is like it's it's yeah it's just being inquisitive i think and 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 understanding who these people are that's i think that's what it is it's it's building a relationship like you would um anyone else if you're meeting them for the first time um yeah except at the end of uh, that meeting, you've got to come up with a, a design that they're going to love. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. So, um, yeah, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's good. So let's say that there's someone listening to this episode right now who's planning yep. on doing a garden at Mifkus in 2024. Yes. What advice okay. do you have for them? Um, I think... Um, I think aligning yourself with really solid people is going to make your life a hell of a lot easier. Mm. I think um, that's one thing that, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've worked with Peter Donigan for a little bit and, and he's taught me a lot about the industry and, and, and kind of um, how to navigate the space and aligning yourself with like-minded people and and not being afraid to to kind of pick up the phone and be like all right I'm going to call this designer and 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 kind of see how he does things or or just 
make an effort and build those relationships. And, and I think the last couple of jobs that I've done for clients, um, I've realized how many people that I have in my back pocket um, because of Mifkus and because of building those relationships. And, and um, that's going to make Mifkus next year a hell of a lot easier because um, I can pick up the phone and, and have a chat. Have, how's your daughter? Do you know what I mean? Like what's going on? How's business? Do you know what I mean? It's not just a, a student calling going, hey, um, do you think you can lend me some plants? Just like, sorry, who are you? Yeah. Um, I, I think building relationships in an industry like this is so important and um yeah it's just it's a small industry man like it's everybody knows everybody and um it, it pays to go that extra mile and just kind of yeah make that phone call uh, because 90 percent of the time people will help you mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess that's my my one bit of advice is to just just reach out and 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 have a chat and um yeah i think it's, it's actually interesting since i uh first did uh a podcast uh, when was it probably six months ago whatever it was from that podcast i've had a lot of people reach out to me and say hey i'm in a similar position to where you were 12 months ago would you mind having a chat and 100 percent of the time i'll be like yeah Let's jump on a, a Zoom chat and, and let's talk me through what, like, what are you studying? Where do you want to end up? Like, um, I, I always have time for people like that because I was that person tapping people on the shoulder going, Hey, I'm confused here. Where, where do you think I go? And, and a hundred percent of the time people said, Hey, let's do a Zoom chat. Let's all pick up the phone. Let's, let's have a call. Um, I reckon you should do this or, hey, let's have a coffee. We'll, we'll go talk you through your business plan. So I think it's important to kind of, what do they call it? Pay it forward. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, um, so it's, I'm so glad and humbled that people tap me on the shoulder and go, hey, let's, let's grab a, let's grab a drink and, and, and talk me through how you got here or, or whatever it is. And I think that's such a beautiful part of, of, being in a small industry it's um yeah it's it's really good i love that advice that's the advice that peter donegan gave as well oh, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, that's part of Funny his that. advice yeah. <laughs> oh good <laughs> uh too funny <laughs> okay oh, good so at the end of every episode daniel i always like to ask guests one final question okay doesn't have to be on topic. It can be about whatever you like. Uh, it might be something that we missed in this episode, or it might be just a random plant fact that you learned, or maybe it's a change that you'd like to advocate in the world. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? Um, I think, to be honest, I think I'd really love the general gardener to tap your local nursery on the shoulder and say hey can we get some more indigenous plants yeah. in can we get um x in because that's going to be the change that's going to be because at the moment there's not a massive demand and that's why they don't stock the plants yeah. and i think 
there needs to be a shift and, it, and it's and it's from the um it's from the ground up do you know what i mean it's it's from the everyday gardener that's like actually i want to put some indigenous plants in here um that are, or that grow in my area and it needs to be a conversation from them and if there's enough conversations then the person at the nursery who who puts in the next order they're going to go yeah absolutely let's chuck in some um some milkmaids or, or whatever it is like random um indigenous plants or whatever it is do you know what i mean i think that's that's one thing that i kind of want to leave people with but um yeah i don't know we'll see how we go i love that because you know just think about it logically if you're a nursery business owner whether that's a wholesaler or a retailer or whatever and yeah. you have like five or six people come up to you within a few months and ask you, hey, what endemics do you have? Absolutely. I mean, at a certain point, they're going to have to ask how many people are not asking me this and just going on to the next shop. For sure. For sure. So, I, I, yeah, I, I really think it's important that um, that there be a little bit of a, a, a movement towards mm. that. I think it would be really cool. And it would be really cool to see some some more plants like that in people's gardens. I want to see more plants that I don't know about that I've never seen before in my life, and then I yeah. want someone to tell me, no, that that actually literally used to grow under your feet like thousands of years ago. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's crazy, isn't it, to think that? And I, I had this conversation with someone um, at a nursery um, a month ago. I said, "Mate, this this plant used to grow around the corner, and I can't find it anywhere." Do you know what I mean? Like, um, even even. Uh, Yam daisies, right? So I'm putting yam daisies in my 2024 um, Mifkis design. If you try and find yam daisies in a nursery, call me because <laughs> they're extremely hard to find, but they grow in the wild like a weed. Do you know what I mean? Like, explain that to me. Um, so yeah, it, it is frustrating to a point, but um, I think if we kind of band together as somewhat plant nerds then we can we can push the industry in in a direction that that we want because essentially um we're the first point of call like the 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 nursery is at the mercy of yeah the of the designers and the landscapers exactly right exactly (laughs) right the people who are buying the plants so i think we need to get on the on the the front foot and, and say hey we want some more of these plants so um we get rid of the Nandinas and we can um, <laughs> get some interesting stuff in. So, yeah. Well, I, I think um, having been to Mifkus over the last couple of years, I think that we're heading in the right direction. I mean, I know that Mifkus is ahead of the curve and yeah. the punters, you know, we all turn up and we have a look and we see, and then maybe five or 10 years later, what's going on in Mifkus is probably going to be commonplace. But it is a good yeah. sign that people are thinking about a lot of these things. You certainly For weren't sure. the only garden using native plants or uh you know having an eco mindset so I yeah think it's fantastic i think it bodes well yeah I, I agree i think um i think there's definitely more and more native um uh plant palettes coming in um i know yeah 2024 uh, i'm going to be doing a, another it's a native garden but it's it's very different to the um cool. uh to the, the one that Circles i did this year so yeah, very different to circles of life, but um, still same same kind of theme esque. But um, yeah, this one we're going to be pushing the, the boundaries with some uh, some ferns and some native mosses and okay. and some pretty crazy stuff. So um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to um, 
for showcasing some more. Cool, uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I'll see you there, but uh, are we going to see any Japanese influences, do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Look, funnily enough, funnily enough, um, a big big element of Japanese gardens is... uh, the, the red on green. Um, I don't know if you've seen that that kind of element where um, they have it at sort of the entranceway to some uh, botanic gardens and things like yeah, that in, in Japan. And, yeah, the big red gates and things like that. So that's it's not a necessarily design principle, but it's an element of Japanese gardens that um, uh, yeah, that contrast of the the, the red and the green, um, and that's definitely a, a prominent element in the garden. Um, in my garden in um, 2024, so um, it's called Mother Ocean. So uh, look Mother out for that Ocean. one. Ocean, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a garden that's called Mother Ocean. Okay, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one, that's for sure. So <laughs> well, you got pre- a lot of pressure on you after last year's. Uh, uh, this I year's think so. People really liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little bit nervous, but that, that's all right. We'll pull it off. <laughs> that's good. Love to hear. Thanks so much for a great chat, Daniel. I appreciate it, mate. No worries, man. You're a legend. It's no longer enough to just have a pretty garden at Mifkus. The most memorable gardens seem to have some sort of element that's worth remarking about. Whether that's a story about preserving biodiversity, or it's a story about how a designer hand-painted panels with countless circles. If you're designing a garden for Mifkus in 2024, think about what makes your garden unique. What makes it different from the other designs that are going to be there? Why should anybody care? Check out episodes 177 and 188 with another Mifkus designer and gold medalist, Peter Donegan. Or perhaps you'd rather hear another episode about gardening with native plants, in which case you should check out episode 3 with Ben Sims.